hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Ray Rice case and domestic violence. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You know, you can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, hashtag domestic violence. And if you follow me right now on Instagram at Lisa Evers Live, you can see pictures of us here in the studio as the show is going on. And also, this is a good time because this is a case that touches on so many areas of our lives and probably affects you or people that you know in a very personal way to uh, text your friends and family around the country and let them know that we are streaming live across the United States right now on hot97.com. And of course, we're taking your telephone calls. Rose and Raphael are on the phone at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. We are talking about the Ray Rice case and the disturbing questions that it raises for all of us. I'm sure you saw the video. An NFL star at the top of his career throws a punch to the head of his fiance, knocks her unconscious, then what was even more horrifying for some people, drags her body across the floor like a cleaning mop. Um, He avoided jail time after the incident in February, but the release of the video this week sent shockwaves through the NFL and actually through the whole country because of the brutality of this. Advocates of domestic violence survivors We're stunned by Janae Palmer's public apology at her husband's side. The two of them did a press conference together. She was saying, quote, I do deeply regret the role I played that night. And other people were saying, why wasn't he turning to her saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. This isn't going to happen again. Still open questions. Where was the talk about getting counseling? Where was the talk about uh, mandated counseling as a part of his suspension or part of his court Um, the adjudication of his court case. But Janae blamed the media and others for interfering in what was a private family matter. But how private was it when this happens in an elevator in an Atlantic City casino? I mean, you have to assume these days cameras are pretty much everywhere. Once you're out in public, there it is. It's there for everybody to see. And I want to say, you know, I thought he's a product of New Rochelle High School. Our thoughts and our prayers go out to Ray and to Janae and to their little daughter and their family and what they're going through. But, you know, we really have to start by being honest with this. What can we learn from it? And uh, really, what's really going on here? What are some of the key issues? A lot of the attention has focused on Ray Rice and his football career. We're going to find out where that stands, too. And we've got an amazing panel taking your telephone calls, one 800 223 9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, hashtag domestic violence. On Instagram, at Lisa Evers Live, hashtag domestic violence. And uh, let me introduce our panel and get right to it because I know everybody has a lot of questions. Joining us in studio is Dr. Brandon Rivera. He's a psychologist. Dr. Rivera, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me on. We appreciate it. Also with us is Asia Smith. She's a domestic violence survivor and a founder of the organization Purple Rain. Asia, thanks for being with us Thank again. Thank you. We Good morning. It. Also joining us is Abdullah Abby Green. She's a former Brooklyn assistant district attorney, former prosecutor, now a criminal defense attorney. Abby, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. We really appreciate it. And also joining us is Peter Keating. He's with ESPN Sports. He's a senior writer for ESPN, the magazine. And Asia, I want to start with you on this. When you saw this whole story unfold, what were your first thoughts? Well, initially, when I saw the clip in February, when it was first released, I knew that there was a lot more to this story. And it was very frightening to me to see that if this was a type of behavior that was exhibited 
quote unquote in public, I could only imagine what life would be like for this individual um, behind closed doors. Um, I also knew, given the level of violence and um, the calculated nature in which um, the behavior of Mr. Rice, I realized that this unfortunately was not the first incident of abuse. And I say that. Why, uh, what, what about his behavior indicated that? Well, to you? you don't go to that level of violence. Um, for, for no reason. I mean, that you it actually you have to build up to that. And it's almost to show that you have there's an escalation. There's a pattern of it. And typically when that happens and when it happens out in public like that, it shows that this individual has done this before. Furthermore, if you looked at the behavior, well, I, I want to point out, we don't know that we don't well, know that we, we at don't, this point. But as a, you're as saying a as a survivor and as a survivor, you can tell. And because if you look at the behavior before, during and even after the assault, you can tell, I mean, for me, I would imagine that if this were my first time assaulting someone and knocking them unconscious, I would be very afraid. I would want to um, call 911. Try to get try help to get for that help, person. Do something. There was there seemed to be no remorse. And um, that right there was very disturbing for me. Dr. Brandon Rivera, when you looked at that and the, the thing that shocked people, too, was just after she's knocked unconscious, there's no like sense of urgency. Like there is no sense of urgency. In like, action. let me get help. Right. Uh, it was a very calm response on his part. And uh, just to kind of reflect on what you're saying. Uh, I do think there, you know, the, the likelihood is, is that there probably was a prior incident. Mm-hmm. Um, these uh, circumstances usually are not isolated, and you know, for it to occur in public like that, and then to watch his response, I think demonstrates that there probably has been a, a precedence. Abby, what about the, uh, the the crime here that was committed? Because if that happened on the street, would it have been treated more severely or less severely? You know, it's really hard to say. That's one of the controversies that you hear different jurisdictions talking talking about. As a former DV prosecutor, I've seen incidents where we would give a person a plea after he punched someone in the face that's maybe to a disorderly conduct, which is a violation, it's not a crime, or even to harassment, which is also a violation and not a crime. I think what is so disturbing here is that he was caught on video. And that is a type of evidence that a prosecutor can use even without Ms. Janae Palmer, you know, now his wife. A prosecutor would use that type of evidence. and they would Even if she use, didn't want to press charges, they would have that. Even if she did not want to press charges, you could use that type of evidence. But look, the whole thing about being in prosecution is that it's not your intent to want to force the victim to testify. We want to make the victim's life much easier when I was a former prosecutor. But in some circumstances, you may feel, look, this could be in the best interest to get her the order of protection that she needs to possibly prosecute him so that he will know that this behavior is unacceptable. So it's hard to say in each um, different incident, but this is on video. The prosecution could have proceeded without Ms. Palmer. They could have used other evidence. They would call that an evidence-based prosecution. But the it's not necessarily surprising in and of itself that he was allowed into this pretrial intervention program. It's not really surprising. It's disturbing because we see this on video. And like they said, I don't believe this is an isolated incident. These incidents happened before. We just they just don't have video in their house. Peter Keating, what about the uh, the the way this has played out? Him being a football star, there there are other we've seen other examples with NFL players involved in these types of incidents, but never probably video like that. Yeah, the interesting question is why exactly you need the video. I mean, we all reacted viscerally to that video and especially the coldness that Ray Rice exhibited after striking Janae Palmer, right? But there are other players where there have been legal findings, indictments, convictions, a guy on appeal who are still playing. And before the video came out 
in its in this form, Ray Rice only got a two game suspension, then moved up to six. Right. So um, why did the the NFL need something more than to be able to say, oh, if you're caught on video actually striking somebody, then we'll drop the hammer on you. Right. The, the, the problem with the NFL is it seems to be making up its suspensions and its policies. As they go along, and and the commissioner is now embroiled in this dispute about whether anybody in the NFL front offices saw this video before um, before the public before it did, came out this right? week, right? But but even if they had or if they didn't, I mean, uh, the NFL needs something of substance that everyone can kind of adhere to and recognize that makes a difference that doesn't require actual video evidence because right now they seem to be uh, kind of temporizing and and, and but is it but is it the team for those of us who don't follow sports and know as much about it as you do does it is it the team that sets the rules or is it the nfl because he's he's now he's fired from the ravens right well there's a personal there's a personal conduct policy that the that the league collectively bargains with the players but that gives the commissioner a lot of latitude so the team can suspend the team can deactivate you so right now adrian peterson who was just indicted for beating his son has been benched so he's still going to get paid, but he's not going to play this Sunday, today, right? Uh, the team can also suspend you. That means you're suspended without pay. Uh, the team can also release you, which means you're done. Or the league can mandate that the team just get rid of you. The league can ban you from the league. So in this case, what happened was that nothing happened. Then he got a two-week suspension. Then he got a six-week suspension. Then when it all blew up, he's been cut from the team and banned from the or indefinitely suspended from the league. So he's fired, basically fired from the Ravens, but he's still getting paid, right? Uh, no, he's gonna no, 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 no. no. In, in the NFL, there's no guaranteed contracts, so um, that's once an inter- you don't play. There's an interesting wrinkle here, and that affects Janae Palmer now Rice. It affects her and her child too, because and this is one reason why it's so complicated to put so much of a burden on women who are abused, because. If they have to speak out against their aggressor, they're endangering the finances and financial health of their own, you know, their own children, themselves, their own family. So he's gone. Nobody knows if he's going to come back. He wasn't playing well last year. You know, a brutal fact about the NFL is that if you're not a big star, they care less about you. So uh, he wasn't performing well anyway. So I don't think he's going to play pro football again. Um, but for now, he's indefinitely suspended, which means the commissioner would have to approve any team trying to strike any deal with him to come back to the league. All right, let me bring in uh, LaShawn Paul right here. 1-800-223-9797, Hot 97 Street Soldiers. We're talking about the Ray Rice case on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, hashtag domestic violence, Instagram, at Lisa Evers Live, hashtag domestic violence. And LaShawn is a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist and works with domestic violence survivors. LaShawn, what was your take on this whole incident? When I first saw it, um, it was just typical of um, various different cases I've seen in private practice and while I worked as a medical social worker in the hospital. Um, and her apology wasn't really that surprising to me. As gentlemen just said, um, women face like uh, the financial issues, and all they seek is this security that um, is now in jeopardy because of Ray Rice losing his job. Um, but it's also for the abusers who just want control. Um, it was pretty evident that this appeared to be not the first time that it has happened because it usually escalates, and there's usually a lot of warning signs ahead of time. Um, Okay, but let me ask you this question, because this was a hashtag on Twitter all week long, why I stayed. She was, this incident happened in February. After that, she got married, they got married. 
She's still with him. She's standing by his side. So how can you explain to people, men and women, who have not been in these kind of situations, why a woman would stay with somebody that would beat her? Because they're socially and emotionally isolated. Um, I had a real issue with the hashtag why I stayed. And there was like the backlash of that where it was why I abused. We tend to have the women explain why they stayed and not really focus on why people abuse. So they have to explain why they stayed, and that's a part of the problem and the isolation and the embarrassment and the stigmatization of anyone who is a domestic violence victim rather than the abuser having to answer to why they did this. Like why they did the accountability. LaShawn Paul, thank you so much for for calling in. Licensed clinical social worker. Let me ask you this. In the video, too, let's let's go back to the video, even though we're on radio here. The... um, (laughs) You see her throwing a punch at him. She's like striking him as they're going into the elevator. There were reports that she spit at him. There have been other cases, other other domestic violence cases, where there's been where the woman has looked as if she's provoked it, like slap the man or hit the man. Does that change the whole dynamic, Brandon and Dr. Brandon Rivera? No, I don't believe that it does. Uh, you know, there is a, a physical dynamic that's different between men and women, and that's not to say that there are. You know, you still can't be equal and, you know, do well in society. But when there's a physical aspect, regardless if someone is the initiator, you have the capacity to kind of restrain your own behaviors in those moments. And I think he had that uh, opportunity and chose not to. There's also lines that you just don't cross. She she didn't pull a gun on him. Right. Right. I mean, there's lines you don't cross. No, I mean, there's one of the lines you don't cross is assault. I mean, this is a legal and criminal as well as a moral definition. And, you know, I mean, sure, there are reasons why people rob banks. I mean, and I guess judges can even take those into consideration in sentencing people who rob banks. But if you rob a bank, you robbed a bank, right? Right. I mean, you hit somebody and knocked them cold and dragged them out of an elevator. You hit them, knocked them cold, and dragged them out of an elevator. I don't understand. I, I actually find it hard to understand. It, it's almost like um, people want to get out of jail free card for something bad they might do someday. Yeah, you know, if my wife really whoops on me, then uh, at some point I have the right to, you know, hit her back and knock. No, you don't. And if you look at the tape prior to them even getting in the elevator, it will show that he actually began spitting at her. Um, he was standing on the side. If you analyze the tape from the beginning, he looked as if he was using his tele- his cell phone. And as she was walking by, he began spitting at her. So this started even before they got on the elevator. And then if you look at the behavior, he looked to make sure if anybody else right. was getting on the elevator with them. And he waited until the elevator doors closed before that. You know, And that's the typical behavior of batterers. They will wait until no one is around, if you will, before it. So that can let you know that the response could have been different. It, it, it appeared like they know how it, to cover right, up there. Absolutely. And it appeared that there had been some sort of disagreement before getting on the elevator. So the choice could have been, you know what? I'm not even going to get on this elevator with you. I'm right. going to remove myself from the situation. Or even if had she um, and I'm not saying that this is in any way, shape or form an, an excuse because I agree with you, Peter. Um, however, he didn't even try to restrain her. He didn't try to, you know, get help. He didn't try to do anything. Anything. He went straight for a clean, cold 
punch. There were a number of opportunities for him to de-escalate. A number of things that could have happened to de-escalate the situation, and he chose right. not to. And then again, afterwards, the behavior that was exhibited to drag her from the elevator, to leave her down on the the amount of time, the amount of time when she was passed out. And the humiliation that this, um, this she's got to feel, she's got to feel. And horrible. I know that she does, and I feel sorry for her as a as a former victim to have the worst traumatic experience of your life to be displayed for the entire world to see. So now she's subjected to and be out there on the internet for her daughter. Everything, ever, and ever. that's why I mean it's bad enough to go through that and to have to relive that nightmare yourself, but to have to see it every single day. But at the same time, I'm actually happy that this tape surfaced because it shows the real account of domestic violence victims and it shows the, what bruta- happens, the brutality, the brutality of it. and the severity of it. And he All right, struck her twice. He struck her twice. He struck her first when she was near the elevator buttons. He struck her. It looked like he hit her in the face. And when she came up, and that's when he just, I mean, his arms were to his side. He wasn't even in a defensive stance. So this is not a person who was scared of her. He was not in fear. He was not in a defensive stance. As soon as she came at him, he just gave her a cold. He just went at hook. All right, let's bring in, is it 5L or 5L? Fivel. Fivel Rothberg. He's a former batterer, and he's uh, went through a program. He's calling in to give us some some perspective. Fivel, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you went through, or what you did. Uh, so just to be clear, that, that wasn't exactly my experience. Um, I, w- I would honestly never call myself a former batterer. I probably just because it's like an older term, um, as far as I know. What's, um, what's, the, pro- what's the new term? Um, I mean... I, so I would actually call people um, perpetuators or sometimes, you know, assailants or, per, you know, perpetrators of assault. Um, I myself, um, yeah, I never went through a program. I openly, um, I made a film about my experience um, being a father and having grown up in an abusive household um, with, domestic, with domestic violence, being there every single day. Um, and then I, you know, kind of came out because I thought it was really important that, I talked to, particularly talked to other men about um, my abusive behavior, and then. Did you ever hit a woman? Um, I yeah. So in the film, that I talk about like how I had hit um, my son's mom, and how, and then later realized how. I mean, you know, realized how wrong it was, but also like realized how that was a part of a much larger system. Um, and so I think what I haven't heard yet is that like, you know, the system of patriarchy, the system of power of men over women. In, in our country, um, that is something that domestic violence plays uh, a part in. All right, but it, domestic- but it still starts with the person that throws the punch or the person that throws the strike or the blow or knocks that woman out. I actually disagree. I mean, I actually think it, it's part of a, a longer historical context um, of violence. Um, and, and not just here, of course, because domestic violence happens everywhere. Um, but I think it has to be looked at the... There's a lot of uh, domestic violence experts who who use the term, you know, the phrase power control, and I and I really do believe that that's a major part of domestic violence. Um, um, and so then, if you look at power control in a very much larger sociological kind of standpoint, that in a patriarchal society that we live in. Um, five, I, I appreciate than, I appreciate yeah. the sociology lesson, and I get it that women make sixty nine <laughs> cents or sixty five cents on the dollar to men, and that if you look at the U S. Senate, you look at our our political, right. the Fortune five hundred, it's mostly right. men that are running everything. Right. But what right. does that have to do with somebody throwing a punch at I, a woman, at the woman so who's the father or the mother of their children, or the the, the the woman they supposedly love? Well, I think first of all, it's really important to recognize that throwing a punch and physical violence is only one of several uh, forms of domestic violence. Um, that it can be physical, it can be financial, it can be emotional, um, it can be 
yeah, you know, emo- yeah, all kinds of different things, sexual, um, and that just because it was captured on tape, I think that's what's really making this. Um, it's much easier to capture physical abuse on tape than it is to capture no the like, emotional, emotional abuse. And, you're, and I want to I want to thank abuse. you. I want to thank you for raising the issue of emotional abuse. I want to get that get into that with our guests too. But I need to take some phone calls because the phones are going crazy. Let's go to uh, Mike right now from Cliffside Park. Mike, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Yeah, good morning. Uh, the reason I'm calling is because I've also been a victim of the domestic violence where it caused my marriage to go south. Uh, to where, your wife, where, where your wife beat you? Well, what happened was we got into arguments, and every time I go to walk away because I would see that the, convers- the argument was getting nowhere, she would block my way, she would stand in the way, and then she would start getting physical, throwing things, and the one time she came at me with a knife. And lo and behold, one night, as we were arguing, I said, you know what, have yourself a good night, I'm leaving, I'll come back later. I got hit behind the head with a chair. So now, as I get up to defend myself, because she's coming at me again, you know, next day she went crying that she was being, you know, beaten. So that's the whole thing, that sometimes, it's not right for a man to hit a woman. It's not appropriate at all. Right, I, that's one thing that. But, but legally, happen. it's I not have, legally. It's not right for anybody to hit anybody hit else. Period. Right. Everyone should keep their hands. And that's what people yes, are not realizing. But I think your I think your point there are that you know we had we had Charles Hines, a former uh, Brooklyn District Attorney here, on Hot ninety seven Street Soldiers. He grew up in a family with domestic violence. He said that there's a shocking number of men that there's are also half a million men a year. Uh, yes. uh, right, but not nearly as many as women. And then the economic you know the economic issues play into it, play into it as well. Mike, I want to get a reaction from uh, from our guest. Dr. Brandon Rivera, you ran the Mobile Response Crisis Unit. Did you in terms I was of... Participant. I, went, mm-hmm. I didn't run it. Okay, well, yeah, you yeah. were involved in it. You were helping people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your modesty. The... Um, in, in terms of men, men and women, mm-hmm. is, is, did you ever hear of stories like that before? Oh, absolutely, yes. And I think that's actually a very valid comment. Is that you know this is an issue that you know can run across gender lines. You know, it, there is a predominance of women who are uh, you know assaulted more so than men, but it does occur with men. Um, so it's a very delicate and complex issue. All right, Abby. It does occur with men. The cases that I've that I've had when I was a prosecutor, um, I had a few cases where the men were were victims of domestic violence. I had one case where a man was stabbed in his chest, and that was on videotape. And he did not want to press charges. He did not want to prosecute. We had to proceed eventually with the video and other evidence, but he did not want to press charges against this woman. And I was told by the police that he actually had saw them together on the street. So it does happen to men. It predominantly happens to women, but what I have experience with is that the men are even um, less likely to report incidents of domestic violence because they're embarrassed and they love the woman. They want to stay with her. It's not from the same standpoint as the woman. For the woman, it's usually children. They don't want to break up a family. It could be also financial dependence. It also could be an issue of a lower self-esteem or they've been in this type of relationship for so long that their self-esteem is just battered down. It could also be childhood issues. There's a lot of issues that are different as to why men would stay in a, in a um, domestic violence relationship as opposed to a woman. But, but Peter, the the NFL, ABC News said 21 out of 32 teams have players that have active charges for domestic violence or sexual violence, and they're playing. Well, this week we just saw the owner of the Carolina Panthers deliver this really teary press conference where he said that he tried to build an organization of integrity and stands against domestic violence. But 
Kevin Hardy, who's been uh, convicted of, um, of of threatening to kill his girlfriend, and and the testimony of the girlfriend is just horrifying. I mean, she basically said, "Go ahead and kill me," because he was allegedly grabbing her by the throat. That case is now on appeal because Kevin Hardy wants a jury trial instead of a judge trial. The guy's been convicted. He's playing today, so the, the there was no video, and the owner is crying. And the player is playing. So this is a, it's a problem. There's no one standard policy. And I just want to say one other thing. You know, we've, we've heard all, your, all our guests here talk about these dynamics and what it's like for folks to go through getting, um, getting mistreated by uh, someone who's their spouse. The commissioner, the reports that Commissioner Goodell said, he, he only gave Ray Rice a two-game suspension at first because of um, Janae Palmer's uh, uh, appearance. Right. You know, that he talked to them together. And he together. said that on Friday that she, when they came said, in, yeah, they were like, she, it was just like a spat. She apologized. She was going to stick with them, that they were, you know, they were staying together. And I, it just doesn't seem like the NFL took the opinion of experts like these guys or even any, any analysis of what it's like to be in that kind of abusive relationship as seriously as the commissioner took what the woman who was abused said, which is probably the one thing you don't want to rely on somebody but, but in that me, kind of relationship. But let me ask you this. Is the, is the dirty little secret that's not really a secret with the, with the NFL that basically if you're a good player, you're going to get cut a certain amount of slack. If you're, um, if you're not a good player, well, we'll see what happens and kind of gauge public opinion. Was Ray Rice given a harsher penalty and, and just totally, you know, totally trashed because of that video? And also, too, it's like if you're in a regular job and you get convicted of something like that, pretty, chances are pretty good you're just fired, period, yeah. and that's right. That's right. If any of us, if any of us happened jail. to us, we'd be we'd be gone. So there's two things. One is the the public gets ignited in unpredictable ways. Like Michael Vick became uh, a pariah because people don't like to see dogs abused, right? And you can make an argument that people. And there's a done... very active group. There's a very there's a yeah. very strong activist lobby. There. Yeah, but there's only also like 80 million people who own dogs. Right. who this hits right and affects and 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 he got you know. Uh, uh, sanctioned much worse than people you can argue have done worse things. Mm-hmm. But but I just want to bring up one other thing, which is like, you know, the NFL is based on being, playing in the NFL is based on being a world-class athlete. And if, if you're in any group that, that you're going to keep getting paid if you're the best in the world at what you do, it's very hard for that group organization also kind of be for character or morality or for ethics or anything that says, oh, no, we're not going to give you another chance. You know, they will give you another chance if you're the best in the world at what you do. <laughs> if it's you're winning business. games. It's, kind of, it's hard to expect the NFL to be any kind of you know moral exemplar because the owners are always going to give somebody who can play another chance. And that's kind of the, the tension that's here. The billion-dollar industry. Seems- Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ahead, yeah. No, I just want to say that point. It's like it's a billion-dollar industry. Ad- it's a business. Oh, and so they're always going to try to represent their product in the best way that's going to right. reflect their bottom line. And that add to, um, to the point, just to go back to Janae's um, behavior, because one thing that people are not understanding is that, you know, everyone looks at it, oh, financially. But the biggest reasons why most victim survivors do not prosecute is out of fear if this is what happens to me what's going to happen to me next and usually that's the number one reason why and so also people have to understand that it takes a victim between 7 to 13 times before they even leave their abuser so you cannot look at the situation and say well she showed up and she was standing right there by his side because if we were all honest within ourselves I'm pretty sure we can look back at our own lives and our own families and say you know what my parents quote unquote stayed together after a situation or my grandparents or or other things and so we can't say 
say, oh, because she appeared at the press conference with him that the abuse um, is somehow minimized. We still need to look at the crime for what it is and understand that we have evidence. So whether or not she prosecuted or whether or not she appeared with him, this is a crime that was committed. And if she were an elderly person, if she were a child or sadly, if she were an animal This would have gone in a totally different um, direction. And so that's what we have to look at. It's not about Ray Rice. It's not about the NFL. It's about the crime of domestic violence. All right. Let's bring in. uh, Let's bring in Yvette. Is it a toad, Yvette? Yes, hi, it's Yvette Atto. Atto, I'm sorry. Um, and you're a domestic violence survivor. Let me just ask you real quick, be the does the abuse start in the beginning of the relationship? Well, I, I believe that the abuse can start in, in the beginning of the relationship. I mean, the fact that they were high school sweethearts, um, I, and from looking at the video, I just, as a survivor, I just believe that that was not the first time and that this abuse may have started early on in the relationship and it just became their normal. Um, it, it, did she also, there's also, the like I uh, said, like um, Smith said, there's the financial security that's involved at that time, you know, early on in the relationship is prospect of becoming, you know, famous and becoming, you know, uh, being in the NFL might have just been one of the reasons why she stayed. There's also a child involved. Oh, I don't want to leave. You know, he's the father of my child. There's also, you know, internally there's the self-esteem issue, lack of, lack of self-love. And maybe she actually did think that things would get better. I mean, there's always the, you know, oh, I'm sorry, baby, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to hit you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the prospects of staying and being abused are a lot better than what may be waiting for her on the other side of that fence. And I just want to... All right, there it is. All right. Um, Thank you so much, Yvette, for calling in. We appreciate it. We need to take a little short break. And we'll come to you, Abby, right afterwards. We'll talk about the law on this, too. Uh, 1-800-223-9797. We're talking about the Ray Rice case. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Hot 97 Street Soldiers streaming live across the country on hot97.com. Twitter at Lisa Evers. Instagram at Lisa Evers Live. Hashtag domestic violence. And this is Hot 97's VIP Weekend. Listen to this. Win tickets to see the weekend and Janae Aiko's sold. I can never say Aiko. I love her songs. Sold out show at the Barclays Center on September 19th and access to Ebro in the morning's private soundcheck party where you will meet them both. So check that out. Stay tuned. Hot 97 will be back right after this. Def Jam. Def Jam is celebrating its 30th anniversary with a concert at the Barclays October 16th. Performing live. Yo, this is Dan Rick Ross. Two chain. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Fabulous. You was in La Marina all summer. Plus, Janae Aiko, Redman, Method Man, Ja Rule, Ashanti, Onyx, and Foxy Brown. Keep it locked on Hot 97 to win these passes. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Coca-Cola asked people to ride the new Zumanjaro Drop of Doom at Six Flags Great Adventure and describe drinking a Coke. Now, anyone could describe the sound of the can opening or the taste of that first sip hitting your lips after an amazing thrill ride or that refreshed ah that comes after drinking a Coke. Think you could talk refreshment while dropping from the world's tallest drop ride? Find out at Six Flags and get $18 off a general admission ticket with any can of Coca-Cola. Open happiness. So, what brings you and Greg to marriage counseling today? Jake from State Farm. My husband calls him all the time. Two, three in the morning, it doesn't matter. I see. Greg, is this true? Yeah, Jake saves us tons on our insurance. No matter what time it is, he's always there. Mm-hmm. And how much did he save you? Hundreds. Listen, um, can I call this Jake from State Farm? You've got 
to be kidding me. State Farm is there for you anytime, anywhere. Call 1-800-STATE-FARM or click today. Get to a better state. State Farm. With a Sam's Club membership, you get incredible savings every time you shop. And this Friday through Sunday, everyone's invited to our fall open house. No membership required. Hurry in to take advantage of savings on top brands like Samsung, Serta, Rubbermaid, and Kellogg's. Plus, get a free health screening valued at $150 this Saturday, September 13th, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. only. Save big this weekend at our fall open house. No membership required. Join and save. Sam's Club. Life is better when you're in the club. See club for details. What's the hurry, ma'am? Officer, I know I was beating. I've just got to get to the lowest prices of the season event at Michael's. At Michael's? You need to slow down, ma'am. But, officer, I mean, I can't miss out. Michael's has the lowest prices of the season across the entire store. All right, I'll let it slide. Oh, thanks. You wouldn't believe everything Michael's... Okay, I'm going. It's Michael's lowest prices of the season. Save big on fall decor, floral, canvas, and picture frames. Only through Saturday, only at Michael's. What's going on, people? You need to pay attention if you smoke. This is Ebro, you know, Ebro in the morning. Logic Premium Electronic Cigarettes is the most trusted name in electronic cigarettes. One Logic e-cig delivers up to 400 puffs for just $9.95. That's equal to two full packs of cigarettes. And with Logic's revolutionary technology, there's no burning, there's no tar. You've tried to rest, now it's time to try the number one brand in New York. You heard me. Logic Premium Electronic Cigarettes available at fine retailers everywhere. Logic Premium Electronic Cigarettes contain nicotine, an addictive substance intended for adult smokers of legal age. You don't have to change your whole life to get healthy. All you have to do is change one thing. Instead of sweets, reach for fruit. Need a crunch? Grab some carrots. See how you really can change your life by changing one thing. For more information, visit eatwiseteens.org. Powered by Food Bank of New York City. Yo, what up? It's a game, and it's the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7. The game, yeah. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm Hot 97... I'm Lisa Evers, your host, hashtag domestic violence on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And what we're talking about is what everybody's been talking about all week long. I mean, this is a story that has gone from the streets to the top to, I mean, everywhere I go, this is what people have been talking about. And of course, we're talking about it right now on Hot 97 with you at 1-800-223-9797. Joining us in studio, psychologist Dr. Brandon Rivera, domestic violence survivor and Purple Rain founder, Asia Smith, former prosecutor Abdullah Abbey Green, she's now a criminal defense attorney, Peter Keating, senior writer from ESPN, the magazine, and Dr. Brandon Rivera, in terms of the how these relationships unfold. I mean, why would any woman in her right mind you go out you go start seeing a guy and he starts hitting you? That's not like the way to you know, the way to win the person over. It's not, but it, you know, it's uh, it's an exercise of control. You know, there doesn't necessarily have to be any physical violence at the start of the relationship. You know, uh, that's the thing about emotions; they're extremely complex. And over time, you begin to establish an attachment to someone, and so you can start to justify and rationalize your behavior to stay in that relationship in order to hopefully have the outcome that you're seeking, that you want to have this be actually a fruitful relationship. Um, that person's going to go through an evolution. They'll change. They'll grow. And this isn't going to be a pattern. However, as you as time continues and you become more and more invested, it's even that much more difficult to extricate yourself at the point of an incident when you are being controlled uh, physically or emotionally or psychologically or financially. 
in Asia. There have been some uh, some domestic violence survivors on these Hot 97 microphones that have said there's this Romeo syndrome. There's this, you, you get beaten, and then he tries to make it up to you. And then he's mm-hmm. very sweet, and you think it's like the that's the guy that you fell in love with in the first place. Right. Is that true, like well, that abs- cycle? Well, there is definitely a cycle. And just to add to Dr. Rivera's point is that it does not start out physically. Um, however, I like to say it, it starts three ways. Um, manipulation, intimidation, right. and domination. Absolutely. I'm going to manipulate you first to have you to believe that I am everything that you want or I am not an abusive person because again no one signs up for that you know when you go out and you meet a person they never say you know what in four weeks or in six weeks I'm going to become this and that they're they're going to woo you and win you over and so emotionally you become so attached to this you get person. wrapped up in it and then it becomes the intimidation now even after you've seen certain things you become afraid or this person again gives all sorts of excuses I'll, I promise I'll change I'm sorry I've never been in a relationship like this before and so sometimes we have um, a sensitivity to people especially to individuals that we care about well like dr rivera right. said then you kind of get and used to you get and you used, start, to, and rationalize you start to rationalize certain things and minimizing it and unfortunately the things that we minimize unfortunately they turn out to be something much bigger in the long run and the thing um, that can really hurt it, us it really Abby, you want to say something legally about this yeah i just wanted to say um also that i've done so many intakes in the domestic violence bureau where i used to work we, we have these um documents called intakes where we basically interview the, the, the domestic violence victim. And just to touch on what they said, of course, you're not dating this guy first and then he begins to punch you in the face on the first date. It manifests itself in small ways over and over again. First, it may be with telling you about how you dress. And then it may be, oh, well, don't go out with your friends. Let's go out with me. See, it doesn't start off with a punch. I thought that was a really um, good point by one of the callers. And, you know, from a legal standpoint, we don't like to see that Ray Rice is now in this pretrial intervention program. And I understand that he's going to do 12 months. And after he does the 12 months, the charges will be dropped. And he could also petition for the court to have his record expunged. And what that means is that it will be as if this never even happened. It will be clear from his record, a clean slate. But with those kind of cases, do they usually also uh, prescribe or whatever you call it in the legal system, um, some kind of psychological counseling? You know, like they have anger management with assault cases. It's that not type necessarily of psychological counseling. It's anger management counseling, um, domestic violence, anger management counseling to, that's geared towards the men to help them understand why are they exhibiting this abusive behavior? Why do they feel the need to be possessive and controlling? So it's an anger management type of counseling program for the men. And they have to go through this. It depends on how long the length would be, 12 weeks, um, three months, four months And, of course, we don't know because this was the state of New Jersey. We don't know if that was was part of it. Let me bring in Lamar. Well, he would have to do, um, according to the pretrial intervention um, paperwork that was online, he has to be in this program for 12 months. And as long as he completes the program for 12 months, his charges will be dismissed at the end. Like it never happened. Like it never happened. A felony, a third-degree aggravated assault, like it never happened. All right, let's bring in Lamar Campbell. He's a former NFL player and the uh, a player union exec. Lamar, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. I appreciate it as well. What What is your take on the Ray Rice case here? You know, I think it's just all around been a very embarrassing week uh, for the NFL as myself, as a player, and now someone that works in councils, player that as they make that transition. I think we definitely dropped the ball. I think it's been a, just a microcosm for me, actually, of a, of a class warfare. You know, we, if we spoke about Ray Rice and doing the research this week, you know, as we prepare for October, where a lot of our players will wear pink and not a breast cancer awareness month, it just really showed me the disconnect that the NFL front office really has with the women. You know, a male-dominated field that 
they felt as though two games would be sufficient enough for Ray Rice after what happened in New Jersey. So, you know, deplorable this week as far as what has happened um, with Ray Rice. I think we have to do better as the NFL. I think it's very embarrassing for us. As some players actually are suiting up today that are actually convicted of domestic violence. And I think that in the NFL locker room, you always hear that it's a microcosm of society. You have different religions, different colors, and you have some good apples and you have some bad apples. And I think what we did was just an embarrassment to the country, and I think we're continuing to embarrass ourselves by still having players that are convicted of domestic violence um, still playing today. Peter, did you have a question? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, one thing the league needs to do is say, what is a domestic violence offense? The league has now said you're out for six weeks if there's a first offense for domestic violence. Does that mean if you're arrested, if you're indicted, if you're convicted, if the commissioner finds out, you know, makes a finding that you have a problem? See, this is what I don't understand. And Lamar, maybe you can explain this to me, why why it's different. Because most, most corporations, most, you know, just most businesses... If you are if you are arrested, a lot of times they can't they they won't fire you, but they'll you'll you'll be suspended or they right, will keep correct. you keep you on pending the outcome of the case until there's a judgment on it. And then if you are convicted of a felony or something serious like that, you're probably going to lose your job and lose whatever yeah. whatever else. Why doesn't the NFL have just a simple, straightforward policy about that? Whether it's a gun charge, a drug charge, a domestic violence charge, a sexual assault. You know, why isn't there just like a clear-cut thing of if you're convicted, you're out, period, end of story? Right. Let let me just say that I I agree with you guys 100%. Every business has checks and balances. And I think that that's where we drop the ball as far as bringing in women to actually honor these issues. You know, the NFL for a long time, Roger Goodell, wanted to be judge and jury. But I think where we drop the ball is that sometimes we hide behind the letter of the law. There have been times when Goodell has acted outside the law and enforced punishment. And now there's times when they have hidden behind the law and then not enforce punishment. So you look at two games with Ray Rice, there was a situation where the, the prosecutors in Baltimore or Atlanta, Atlantic City, I'm sorry, definitely dropped the ball. So that was a veil for the NFL to hide behind and say, hey, okay, now that the legal process is done where Ray Rice was, ran, was granted <laughs> uh, leniency, as you can see, I, mean, I guess that's taking it lightly just to say leniency for what happened in that elevator. But you have to understand the situation is that there is a complete disconnect. There has to be some finality to it. You know, as a father of a seven-year-old son, one of the things I preach to him is accountability. He has to be accountable growing up for the good and for the bad. And an interesting call, all this week we've been speaking with gentlemen, and one thing, you know, we have a 4% higher domestic violence rate in the NFL. And speaking to a lot of gentlemen this week, unfortunately, they came up in these kind of households. So they can sometimes say that this is not the right way to act, but unfortunately you tend to repeat those things that you see growing up. So I think it has to be some intervention. I think we have a rookie symposium every year. Domestic violence has to be taken more seriously as well as the offenses once you commit one of those crimes. All right, Lamar, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. We're raising some excellent points here. That's Lamar Campbell, former NFL player, now with the uh, Player Union Executive. Let's get to some phone calls because we got a ton of phone calls of people uh, calling in. Let's go to Jason from the Bronx. Jason, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, this is uh, Jason Mazur from Brooklyn. How are you? All right, Jason. How you doing? All right. So uh, I don't know really what you want to address first. You want to well, how about how about one rice? quick? How about this? Because I'm coming up to. T- <laughs> how about one quick comment about why you called in? How about that? <laughs> how about that? You, you know, I think it, I think it's a very in depth. I think it's a very in depth situation overall. If you go outside of the rice case and make it more about the everyday people in life, which it's really more about, I think, than just some football player that got caught. Hitting somebody, I think it's a problem with society in general. 
No, I, definitely. It's like an equal opportunity uh, offender. Let's go to Nicole from Harlem. Nicole, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I was just calling in. Um, a lot of victims go on through domestic violence, I believe, because of the non-trust in law enforcement as for my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was consistently called law enforcement to have this person arrested, had order protections, and it will be incidents where they will come in, see me with bruises on my neck, and because I'm hysterical and, you know, upset, I had an officer at one time tell me, if you don't calm down, we're going to arrest you. And then there was an incident where they never checked their reporting system to see the pattern of, you know, reports and violence, where this person was arrested a week before for violation of order protection, and they went and made a complaint after being bailed out of jail saying that I called them and threatened their life, and I was arrested at my job. All right, Nicole, you ready? I'm so sorry you have to go through all these things. Let me just ask uh, Abby about that. In terms of the order of protection, what does that actually mean when a, a victim uh, or a abuse survivor files a complaint against their batterer and then they're given an order of protection? What does that mean? Okay, so first of all, there's two ways you can get an order of protection. Um, if you're a victim of domestic violence and you call the police, you can you will get an order of protection through criminal court or through Supreme Court. You can also also get an order of protection without any police being involved through family court. But going back to criminal court, in her situation, I believe the police were called. Once the police were called, um, at some point, the prosecutor's office will ask if she is cooperative, and if so, to sign an affidavit. If it is a misdemeanor, if it is a felony offense, they will ask her to testify in the grand jury. She will automatically be given an order of protection um, I believe at first is for six months and it will be extended over time until the case is finished. Now, what the order of protection means, if it is a full order of protection, that means that defendant has to completely stay away from her. I mean, totally. No tweets, don't show up at her home, nothing. No contact whatsoever. If it is a limited order of protection, he is allowed to be around her. She can be around him, but he's not allowed to basically physically assault and harass her. Now, the order of protection dictates the defendant's behavior. The order of protection only applies to the defendant. It does not dictate a victim's behavior. So let's say, for example, I have an order of protection um, against um, my husband. My husband is not allowed to have any contact with me, but let's say I want to call him. I reach out and call him. He can't then call the police and say, oh, you know what? She's calling me. She violated the order of protection. The order of protection will only dictate his behavior, but does not dictate mine. Now, in her situation, I don't know the facts of all of her case. I have heard stories like that before, working with victims of domestic violence, where they felt that the police were not understanding. The police almost felt they felt like they were being blamed. It is unfortunate. It does happen. And as we can see, just on watching TV, there's a lot of training that needs to be done um, for the police. All, all the way around. And also, you know, we're using this case to, to, to educate ourselves as well. What about the issue of children? There's some, uh, Dr. Brandon Rivera, some domestic violence survivors say that they stayed and they took it. But then when they saw the impact it was having on their children, that's what really got them. That's correct. To, to, to make a move and get a safety plan and, and work with some of these excellent organizations like Safe Horizon that are out there. And Barrier Free. Uh, yes, and, and Barrier Free that help you get out of these situations. Right, but I think that's a that's a very good point. It's When you find yourself in these uh, circumstances and you don't feel like you have resources that can actually protect your interests and advocate on your behalf, where you actually feel like you can extricate yourself from the situation and not be in a position to be further assaulted or have to return, it's a very difficult choice to make. You know, I 
you know, as a psychologist, I'm trying to work with people to help them identify what their resources are and so that they can make intelligent, informed decisions so that they can make the best choices for themselves. However, you know, when there are situations where there are children involved, if you don't have financial resources to extricate yourself to the situation, you just it's a perpetual cycle. It's very hard to break that pattern and remove yourself. Peter, what about what uh, Lamar was saying in terms of the standards for the NFL? Do you think out of all of this, he says, you know, there's there's also that whole idea of sportsmanship and good conduct and, you know, parents and coaches and adults, they like to point out to look at these athletes, they're doing the right thing and they're helping the NFL has all those programs with helping the little kids in school and stay fit and all this does, you know, it's kind of mixed messages here. Well, I think that the answer to your question, why is there no clear policy, is because the NFL wants to keep the right to keep valuable properties on the field. Um, under the deal, the players struck with the commissioner. The commissioner had the right to suspend players, and if the players appealed, the commissioner was the one who heard their appeals, right? Uh, Lamar said something about judge and jury, and I think that's what the league wants to be. I think the only way out for the league is to set up uh, a system where it, it basically has to save the owners from themselves, right? Set up a system where the violations are very clear, the punishments are very clear, and there's an independent appeal and a timetable that everyone knows so that if you do X, Y is going to come down on your head. And that's strong enough to deter you, if, if that's possible, and it's clear enough that there's not all this gray room. I think the gray room, the, the kind of mixed message you're talking about, is what's, is what's confusing people. Um, I have one question. Can I ask? Yeah, are, sure. Are Absolutely. I, in, in cases where a guy goes through, let's assume it's a guy who, who's accused, is going through um, uh, rehab or training or information, you know, trying, trying to recover from this, is it the better idea for the victim to stay with him or stay away from him during that period, even or especially when there's children, like, oh, good question. Okay. Like, is the victim ever isolated enough from can they, the accuser? Can they ever recover? Can they ever? Well, that, re- can they ever really be reformed? Right. Yeah, and and what happens in that process? Well, I, I what you want to go? Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's always going to be, um, at least from my experience, there's always going to be an order of protection in effect. Um, it could be, like I said, a full order, a limited order. So let's say it's a full order. She's not supposed to have any contact. He's not supposed to have any contact with the victim whatsoever. If it's a limited order, they could have contact. But that answer to say, the question to say, should she stay with him? It's a very fact-specific question. Absolutely. There are definitely levels of domestic violence. Domestic violence across the board is a horrible thing, but there are definitely levels to domestic violence. This could be maybe an isolated incident where maybe it was the one-time slap or the one-time kick where you don't you may not necessarily feel the need to break up the family. Or this could be something that's been going on for years where this may be the best thing for the woman to get out of this house. So it's not necessarily a black and white. She should definitely stay away. She should definitely stay in the house. It's more of a gray area. Asia, what do you think about well, that? Well, I think that if there is any level of violence that's exhibited... Um, I personally would like to see a person remove themselves from the situation to allow the aggressor, whomever it is, to get the help that they need. You know, when we hear certain cases, they're always saying, we're going to counseling. Well, we didn't commit the crime. You did. And so there has to be a level of accountability that only the person who's chosen to be violent should do that. And I know for me, I would probably feel very unsafe around a person. If I can't trust you, if I don't feel comfortable enough with you, I would prefer that you go and get the help that you need, not just one or two counseling sessions, because sometimes people have been abusive for a very, very long time. And so it will take more time. But um, typically, I would say to allow that person to get the help that they need professionally. And then you can look at other areas in terms of reconciliation and things of that nature. But I would personally um, 
I would personally remove myself from the situation. You also, okay, we just you also have to remember she's absolutely correct, but I only say it's fact specific because you have to see do they have other places they can go to? Do they have family and friends? Right, and that's the whole other issue is that safety. Has the same family structure, right? But definitely, the counseling is just for the abuser right. and, and having the safety necessity to have that to have the um, the abuse involved in the therapeutic process in order for them to demonstrate growth. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of other uh, therapeutic, you know, uh, mo- there, modules mo- in which you can work with an individual where the ab- abuse does not have to be present within therapy for them. And they do, okay. I wish we, I wish we had more time. But real, real quick, final word, Peter. What about uh, Ray Rice? Is he done for N- with the NFL? Uh, I think so, but I think it's much of a product of him not being a great running back anymore as, as of what he did in that elevator. All right, there it is. All right, let me bring in Londell McMillan right now. He is the world-famous entertainment attorney, longtime friend of Street Soldiers Hot 97 here. He's repped a lot of very, very famous entertainers. He's the publisher of The Source magazine, and we're talking to him because he is a producer of this amazing event that's happening next weekend in Brooklyn called Source 360 on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, conferences, concerts, festivals, marketplace, fashion shows, an incredible, incredible thing happening in Brooklyn's cultural district right there by the Barclays. Lundell, I'm so glad you're with us to tell us about this. Good morning. So glad to be here. Good morning. So tell us what people can expect to find. They expect to find a just a potpourri, a variety of just great events celebrating the culture and inspiring people to do great things with this culture that we know as hip-hop, as well as looking at how the hip-hop community has inspired and innovated so many people, places, and things, not just rappers, not just athletes, but there's so many people who are not your normal cast of characters that have created technology, fashion, um, are involved in government, civic, and political affairs that have been truly influenced by hip-hop, but people don't really know that. So what we want to do is bring a whole community together, not just focus on one aspect of the culture, rap music, but to incorporate rap music along with um, all kinds of elements of art, uh, film, dance, technology, community affairs, and just celebrate the positive aspects of the culture. And then, Londell, I know the, the website for people, because there's so many activities. I mean, there's even beauty makeover bars. There's music showcases. There's all kinds of things going on and so many incredible events that you all have pulled together. And the, uh, all the information, the schedule, tickets, ticket info, thesource360.com, thesource360.com. And I think this is an incredible thing to be doing for Brooklyn, too. Well, it's great to do it in Brooklyn because Brooklyn is kind of one of the key areas around the country that has an epicenter of culture. You know, you can go on Instagram, hit, hit hashtag Source360 and see so many different images of what people see. You can go on our website at the source360.com, at the source.com. You know, Brooklyn uh, this year um represents a lot a lot of change a lot of evolution a lot of development we want to make sure that the culture that actually helped to create uh, a lot of what we know as hip-hop culture there is still is, is recognized Londell, thank, 
No, definitely. Thank you so much. So make sure you go out and support the Source 360 next weekend in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Cultural District. All the info, tickets, the incredible schedule. They have so much going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The Source360.com. Londell, thanks so much for calling in, and thank you always for supporting the show and the work we do in the community. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. Have a great day, everybody. Happy Sunday. All right. Thanks a lot. Londell McMillan right there, the publisher of The Source magazine. I want to thank all of our guests for being with us. Dr. Brandon Rivera, psychologist. Asia Smith, founder of Purple Rain, domestic violence survivor. Abby Green, former prosecutor, current criminal defense attorney. Peter King, senior writer from ESPN, the magazine. Former NFL player Lamar Campbell, who was on the phone, our other guests on the phone. And also got a shout out, very special street soldier friend, Pascual Rivera from JetBlue. Amazing birthday party, probably still going on right now. So, Pascual, <laughs> we're wishing you lots of love and a very, very happy birthday. And this is a guy that's got a big, big heart for the kids. So, um, big shout out to Pascual. And also, I want to let you know that this episode of Street Soldiers was made hot for you by Metro Plus Health Plan. Log on to hot97.com slash Metro Plus to register for your chance to win a trip to Florida. And also, I want to say congratulations. Congratulations to the new mother whose baby was delivered by the Port Authority police at the George Washington Bridge. So congratulations. <laughs> Good thing one of the police, the Port Authority police officers was a uh, trained EMT, had that umbilical cord sniffed and tied up and had the whole thing going, going on right there. Abby, you want to give out your website real oh, quick? Oh, yes, thank you. My website is www.agreenlaw.com. That's A-G-R-E-E-N-E. And you can also reach me at help at agreenlaw.com. All right. And also, speaking of law, uh, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about getting arrested. Do you know what to do when you get stopped, when you get arrested? Who's your who's your first phone call? What do you do? What do you say? What don't you do? That's what we're going to be talking about. And it's going to be real interesting because we've got a surprise guest coming on. I think you're going to really, really (laughs) like that's all. That's all I'm going to say. So this episode of Street Purple Rain, real quick. Uh, We want to just invite people. We're having a great domestic violence summit at Rutgers University on October 30th called In the Shadows No More at the Paul Robeson Center in Newark. New Jersey, and we're also doing a wonderful fundraising. Give me a website. Give Purple us. Rain at excuse me www.purplerain that's r e i g n s s dot org and indiegogo dot com. Okay, great. Thank that's you. all we got time for. I want to thank everybody here at Hot ninety seven. Um, did I say the Metro Plus? Yes. Okay, good. I know. We got so much to get get out here. Thanks to everyone here at Hot ninety seven. Our our Hot ninety seven program director, the one and only Jay Dixon. Our digital director, Jeffrey Thacker. Board op and digital assistant, the one and only TJ. A lot of one and only. He's here. Executive producer, <laughs> Tone Capone. Oh, well, what can I say? That's how I roll. Associate producer, Amber Ravenel, the Rose D production assistance from Rafaela. Follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And you can listen to this show and previous Street Soldier so- shows free of charge with our Hot 97 show audio. It's posted on LisaEvers.com. LisaEvers.com. You can see my Fox 5 videos there. Check me out, Fox 5 News 6 and 10 tonight. And if you want to be a part of the show on getting arrested, what do you do, the do's and don'ts, hit up my producer, Tone Capone. That's Tone, the number four real at gmail.com. That's tone, the number four real at gmail.com. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. There's a fire you get in your belly when you're working on your car. Nothing kills that feeling like a dead battery. Either way, the job's got to get done. Buy an